Hi, this is Des, and you're listening to Delving with Des podcast. Hi, you're with Delving with Des, and today we have Phil and Terry Thompson, and they are the pastors of Divergent Church. And you may not have heard of Divergent Church, but by the time we are finished today, you're going to know all about them, and certainly we'll know a lot more about Phil and Terry. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you, Des. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. So tell me a little bit about you guys, um, where you grew up, you know, how you got together, and how you ended up being pastors of a church in Port Macquarie. Yeah, I grew up in the Hunter Valley. Uh, I was a young journalist. Ah. I was not a Christian, came yeah. to Port Macquarie. Um, I worked for some papers down there, came up here, got a job at the local paper, and uh, someone at work evangelised to me, and I got saved. And uh, Wow. Someone at work told me I was a sinner, actually, and she's sitting right across <laughs> from me now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And she knew you were a sinner because we all are, she right? Did. Yeah, we all are. It wasn't just uh, it wasn't just the Book of Romans that was guiding yeah. her, but she. Um, I'd been doing some stuff, and I'd been doing some wild stuff, and and was uh, bragging about it in the office. And she said, "You know, you shouldn't do that." I said, "Why?" And she said, "Jesus wouldn't like it." I did know that she was the Christian in the office. I did not get saved straight away, but six or eight months later, after a couple of other conversations, she. Yeah. Uh, wasn't her really? It was God working in of me. Of course. Um, I thought she was hot, but she uh, well, she is. Wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't date me and wouldn't marry me. So it took a long time for her to marry me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's interesting because in my journey to come to faith as well, I had a very strong Christian lady, mm. uh, not who told me I was a sinner because I knew that already, but um, but who was a, an amazing influence in my life, which led ultimately to me coming to Christ just 12 years ago. So, t- Did you marry her as well? No, <laughs> no. No, she was a lot younger than me. She already had a husband and two kids, <laughs> so that wasn't quite the... She actually came to work for me in a project in Darwin. And so um, that's an, another story for another day. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I grew up... I grew up in a Christian home, but I ended up hitting Christians. I was so anti-Christian. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just... A big, a big story and a big change of I life. Hate, yeah, I, I hated Christians and Christianity too. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, certainly there's hostility there. I mean, I used, to, I used to say that the hardest group of people from the corporate world I ever had to manage were Christians. Yeah. You know, there was something about the arrogance or something that, that that they shouldn't have had but did have, and I just it rubbed me the wrong way continually. But anyway, that's yeah. off the subject. So you guys met in Port Macquarie. Yeah. And uh, you were both here, and yeah. you get married here. Yes, so I was actually an, I'm an immigrant, so we came to Australia when I was 15 from For, South Africa. From South Africa? Yeah. I didn't detect a South African oh, accent. I think I've lost it, the really. Wow. Probably. So well, from Joburg? Or? Yeah, so we were, um, I was actually born down the, near the Cape. Oh, right. before right. we left, we were living up in the Northern Transvaal, so near Johannesburg. Yeah, right. And, um, yeah, so I actually grew up in a Christian family, yeah. Um, which was different to Phil. But I had my own, I think each you know believer goes on a journey where yeah. Christ either becomes real to you yes, that's right. or not at all. And so mm. I certainly went on that journey through university. Right. Um, I kind of said, oh, Jesus, I believe in you, I like you, but I really don't like your rules, so I'm going to do it my way. Uh. <laughs> and after trying that for a few years, I recognised, huh, this is not working out for yes. me. I'm actually going to dive all in with Jesus and give that a go, and I have not looked back. Yeah, that's great. That I mean, that's just such a powerful message for anybody who's listening. You know, you know. I mean, I'd lived most of my life in a non-Christian environment, yeah. and and I, I had no idea 
what it was like to live a Christian life. And once I made that commitment, man, it was such an exciting life. That's right. And yes. So that part of it is really amazing. So, Phil, you were convicted, you yeah. became a Christian. and Yeah, well, maybe my first months weren't really exciting like yours, perhaps, because I, I found that when I got saved, my life became harder because... It was like Jesus walked into the room and took everything from me. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, and so you're sort of thinking, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a lonely guy and you're taking all these relationships that I have off me and uh, now I'm even lonelier, Jesus. What do I do now? And so um, it, life becomes harder. You know, yeah, you've got yeah. to be uh, more honest. You've got to be more open to truth and things like that. Yeah. But I found that over time... It didn't take me too long for, yeah. to get excited, but over time that would then bear fruit a yes. year later, two years yeah. later. And I can honestly say since then every year of my life has been – I think the days are harder for me being a Christian, but the years are better. Every year gets better for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah. cool. So there you are. You got married, um, and so you went on a journey together. Talk about that journey. Where did you – Terry followed me to Western Sydney for a job, and we stayed there for two years. After we got married. After we got married. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very um, important. <laughs> eventually, Absolutely. she said yes to marrying me. I asked her a whole lot of times, and she said that I wasn't the guy for her. I said, hey, I'm oh. a Christian now. Um, after a couple of years, hey, I'm a Christian. But uh, she said no and no and no, and then eventually she said yes. So what, is, what made the difference? I think that you answer that question. Sure. So um, when I made that commitment to, okay, Jesus, I'm all in with you, I had a very strong conviction that I would marry somebody with the same faith as me. Yes. I had recognised that was incredibly important. Sure. And so when I met Phil and he wasn't a believer, I thought, oh, he's a nice guy, but I'm not marrying somebody Mm. that's not a Christian. Yes. And so we went on a journey of that. And like Phil said, he did get saved and he did get baptised. And I guess part of my reluctance was still well, are you doing that for me or are you really doing that for Jesus? So there was a bit of that testing going on. And I think really there was a almost like a hold back sense. So I do believe that, you know, the Holy Spirit is leading us Mm. in life and I kind of felt this resistance. And then it was interesting because Phil was offered a job in Sydney and he came and he said, you know, we've been great friends and I just can't, I can't work alongside of you. We've had, you know, I'm interested, but you've said no, and I think it's best for me to go on my own way. And wow. in that moment, I almost felt the sense of, okay, now's the time. And almost without him having to ask me, I said, I will marry you. And he was like, what? I didn't even ask. <laughs> and, and then Phil moved down to Sydney and we had a long-distance engagement of about right. 10 months. Yeah. Wow. And it was really good. It was just the right timing Right. Um, he went off and grew in his faith yeah. away from me, which yes. he needed. Yes. And that's, that's good for you in terms of the strength you are in your own faith and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I needed to start to crawl. Yes. yes, yes. I wasn't yet at the walking stage, <laughs> but I, I started to crawl, I think, down in Sydney spiritually. And there was a guy who, who discipled me, you know, he good. was in the RAF. Um, I was not in the RAF, I was working nearby, but same, you know, he was in the area and, and he would you know, get me around for dinner before, you know, the Wednesday night small group or whatever, and I'd have dinner with him and his wife and his twin children, you know, six yeah. years old, a boy and a girl. Um, and he would just, yeah, he just let me into his life and just wow. modelled his life to me. And that, mm. that started to give me a spiritual strength. Good, good. Because you need, you need to have people alongside you. You need who people to show can you can sow into your life. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, it sounded as if you were really, Terry, you were the really strong 
person of faith in Definitely. you know at the, in those early no. days and you're so you eventually get married in Port Macquarie that makes sense because your family were here and so what happened next yeah then we moved down to Sydney have two years there while Phil's working and we just sort of you know early years of marriage and yeah. I think you nailed it Des you said that Terry was the more spiritually mature and she absolutely was and so that made our early years of marriage hard Oh, okay. Because she was leading spiritually, and yeah. if you're leading spiritually, generally you're leading in everything. Um, and I was uh, just still growing. Mm. And so Terry was probably carrying things that, you know, she shouldn't have been carrying and certain, I don't know, pressures or directions for the family. And um, so I think the first five years of marriage were great. Started mm. having kids. We've got three now. But, um, oh, right. right. But... There was just this tussle. Like it was mostly good, but you know, you would have those tussles over how is this working? And I think the best um, breakthrough came for us when our girls were probably about sort of five and three. I actually was pregnant with our third child, and my grandfather had passed away. Uh And my mom, my sister, and I went back to South Africa. Um, to go and help my grandmother. And while I was away, Phil just had this encounter with the Holy Spirit. Wow. And when I came back home, it was like I came home to a different husband. Wow. And he yes. said, and I just, I knew as well, God in his humorousness did it while I was away. He's like, yeah. Terry, you're not the Holy Spirit. I do not need you. You can yeah. be in, yeah, you know, yeah, another yeah. country and I can do this. So Phil. let me ask what it was you saw about Phil that was different. Yeah. So when I came home, he just had a clarity about who he was in Jesus and what that meant for leading our family. Wow. So before that, I think there was more of that passivity. Yeah. He, didn't, he wasn't really clear, what do I need to push on? What do I need to let yeah. go of? How do yeah. I set you up to succeed? What do I need to do? Like he just, there was probably more confusion. But when I came home, he said, God's asking me to step up in these things. Wow. And actually he's shown me that you have been carrying some things that you weren't designed to carry. Yeah. And I actually recognise now it's my role to set you free by leading in a way that's that's amazing. Be good for our family. We're going to take a short break. Uh, that was uh, that's a great discussion. We'll continue that after we have a break. You're listening to Delving with Des. Hi, we're back with Delving with Des, and today we have Phil and Terry Thompson, who are the pastors of Divergent Church in Port Macquarie. And, I, and I've just met these guys, and they're fantastic. It's really cool. Thank, thank you for your time, guys. Thank you. No, yeah. well, thanks for inviting us in. Uh, no, it's great. So when, uh, when we left off in the first section, um, the first part of the show, we were to- you were talking about um, how you came back from South Africa and you found Phil a different guy. Yeah. And, and a better guy and a much more engaged guy in terms of your faith and and what you did. So to talk a bit more about that and then talk to us about how you ended up in Port Macquarie running a church. Tell us that yeah. story. Yep. So by this time we were living in Canberra. We had moved from Sydney down to Canberra. And um, I think, you know, we were part of a, a church community when we moved to Canberra five years previous to this. And so we had been involved in that. But like I said, Phil kind of was, I guess, still searching some things. And so was like attending, but really wasn't sort of stepping up. But as this new part of our relationship unfolded, we increasingly were more and more engaged and involved in our faith community. And I guess that became evident because we were given more and more opportunities to then... Or responsibilities. Yes, (laughs) responsibilities um, to step into that. So I think really as Phil was growing... 
mm. in leading our family, that actually set our family on a journey of yeah. leading in community. Wow. So that really started to escalate, I think, post that point. Th- that's right. I think we were we were stepping in to a degree in those years when I was kind of passive. And, um, and then... I mean, there were some people challenges within the church community oh, as right. well. Some some fractious. I mean, that, you've never heard of that happening in never the church happens, Never happens in church. We right. are the only church ever <laughs> who, who has ever had that happen. But but what that meant is that then put us essentially on the back foot during all this time when I somewhere around this time I got baptized in the Holy Spirit when Terry was overseas, and then there were these challenges in church, and we were sort of on the back foot, and then we we sort of had to work out. Hang on. Uh, are we staying here? Are we going? Are we like, what is church? Um, and we really had to step forward, take responsibility and work out, God, what have you got going on here? What is church? What are we supposed to be doing? Mm-hmm. And then I and my leadership thing sort of came through those tough times, I suppose. Isn't it interesting? Um, there's so many people, Christian people that, that I've, I meet in my, in my world who you know, have a very strong faith, trust God, Love the Lord, but they hate church. Yeah, mm. right. And and it's because of fractions. It's because of all sorts of things. We have worshipped this way for the last forty yes. years. Yeah. we want to keep worshiping that way. And and a bit of that, I guess, yeah. and a bit of, um, I, I, I they know what to expect. So there's no change and so forth. What would you say to people who have, who view their world that way? Yeah, in terms of the people who who hate church, I mean, I I think we've got to get to the stage where we're beautifying the bride of Christ rather than criticizing the bride of Christ. And I think one thing that I challenge myself with is rather than being reactive to what I hate, I have to build what I love. Yes, that's good. Because that's I can talk for, I can talk for hours and hours and hours about what I hate. That's just me personally. But if you ask me what what do I love and what am I going for, I, I probably talk for less time. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a problem because yeah, yeah. I need to be able to articulate, no, what, is, what does God want? Yeah. Um, and in terms of uh, people uh, wanting to worship a certain way, for example, uh, I, I think, um, and I think we even kind of went on this journey ourselves asking, God, what is church? And yeah. then how do we function as part of, of your body? Um, I think if we're violently defending expressions i think there's a problem and i think boiling it down to it has to be applicable in every place in the world what we do yeah and so if you're going to violently defend having i don't know i just i just use this as an example if you got one of these this isn't a criticism but if you're going to violently defend having a massive uh, flat screen tv or uh, a smoke machine or a certain kind of music. Well, that is not applicable in every part of the world. A, a mother of ten in India doesn't have those things, um, so you don't need to die over that. What, what is Jesus wanting to bring to the situation? Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, I don't know if you know of Cindy McCarvey. No. Cindy McCarvey is the National Director of Youth for Christ, and she actually was a missionary with her husband in, I think, Angola, I think, um, but came back to Australia with her family and was aghast at two things. One was the infiltration of pornography in young boys Mm. in Australia. But the second thing that horrified her 
was the cult of self, mm. right? And the cult of self within the church. And what she meant by that was, if you're going to the church to get something for yourself, yeah. as opposed to sewing into it, you know, it's a different paradigm Very in your mind. Right? Mm. So, so yeah. Mm. So, so we, we're still on that journey. Oh, so we step in. <laughs> we step in, uh, and and now Terry has me stepping up. So yeah, now good. it's not one person, yeah. uh, not Terry stepping up and dragging me behind her, but I step up as well. And we have a honestly, we have a couple of great leaders called Josh and Ange, and they've become great friends over the years. But they are into uh, sticking closely to the Bible and pioneering. Yeah. And so they do things like, um, this only happened once, but in the middle of worship, you know, unplug the music. Um, <laughs> in the middle of the service, and I'm, I'm talking about a Sunday context here. Yeah, yeah. In the middle of a service, just just break and uh, let's have a 15-minute break Uh and hey, we're going to talk to each other, and we're going to pray for each other, and then we're going to things every six weeks. We're not going to meet in this building. We're going to be out. And on those Sundays, people would seventy five percent of people wouldn't turn up. And wow. so you're in an environment which is high challenge. And I'm only talking about Sunday context here. And, yeah, yeah, and like yeah. I say, we're believers, and so we are doing God stuff every day of the week. Every Christian is right. So I'm yeah, just talking right. about the Sunday context, but this gives you a sort of a picture. And so. We are into we're in an environment of challenge, yeah. And when you're in an environment of challenge, um, some people don't want to stick around. Some people do and grow. Um, you become more adept at leading and, and nurturing and pastoring people through challenge rather than avoiding the challenge. And this is all years before, well before COVID. So would you define that as discipleship? Yeah, I've been, you know, yeah discipleship maturity, so spiritual maturity. Yeah. yeah and, cool. uh, you know, I, I just think back now to the funny time when we stopped the music halfway through the worship at a conference that we ran. <laughs> and, um, and you know, this is, like I say, it's years before COVID when really all the music stopped. Wow. Um, and we, we did stuff like that and we grew and then we became leaders. Yeah. We uh, grew leaders. Uh, well, our church was multiple communities across Canberra. Yeah. Uh, we led the largest of 60 to 100 people. Um, and we would come together every six weeks for a big, you know, get together. But Terry and I became leaders over that larger gathering for, uh, you know, five years or so. Uh, and then our leaders left for the Middle East to pioneer with their young yeah. family. And we set out, after raising leaders behind us, we set out for Port Macquarie to f become foster carers and plant a church. Wow, wow. So, Terry, tell us about that. Well, that's an interesting decision yeah. to pack up all your, your from your friends and all the people who surround you and support you and come to somewhere. Yes, you had family, yeah. but, I mean, it, but it's a, a big step. Yeah, I so think... One in terms of foster, and we'll talk about that, yep. but also in terms of you know, your whole life. Yes, yeah. and I think, again, coming back to what we, I said earlier, God is leading you in things. Mm. It is a co-labouring relationship you're not just like pulling things out of the air so in yeah. 2017 through a series of events Phil and I found ourselves in India with a couple of others from church and that was a real catalyzing moment I mm. think to come back to Australia and go well what is something else that we can do right now in our own mm -hmm. backyard and that is what opened up the, fo the foster care conversation um what what is needed in Australia um in terms of vulnerable children and yeah what's happening here. And so that then opened up that whole journey 
And when we sort of went, yep, this is where we're going to put our hand to the plough, we looked around at our three-bedroom house in Canberra and went, it's not going to be big enough, so we're going to have to move. Yeah. Do we just move to another house in Canberra or do we move elsewhere? And that then led to, you know, yeah, the Port Macquarie steps, which were a number of, again, God yeah. moments. That's, that's amazing. We're going to take another break. Yeah. Time is flying here. Is. We're going to take another break. And we're going to come back and talk about the fostering, mm-hmm. you know, what that looks like from a, in a Christian context as well as you know, a human yeah, context. Absolutely. So we'll be back shortly. You're listening to Delving with Des. Hi, you're with Delving with Des, and we've got uh, Phil and Terry Thompson from Divergent Church with us today. One of the interesting things about you guys is that you are into fostering children. How did you get into that space? Yeah, so I think um, definitely I was sort of talking a little bit earlier about our trip to India, being a catalyst to looking in our own backyard, what were the Mm. needs here for vulnerable children, which led us into the sort of fostering space. And like anything you read and you learn because you yeah. don't know anything about anything and then you do step in with a bit of naivety and a bit of yeah, trepidation that's, that's and right. so when we moved to Port Macquarie we just you know investigated agencies and who right. here was a foster agency and then we started putting in the paperwork to become that's foster right. carers and I think in, in the reading that I had done beforehand there was a lady that I followed on Instagram and she really advocated for this idea of fostering a family and it really resonated with me this idea that everyone is made in the image of God and when you're looking after vulnerable children it's not just the vulnerable children that have the story it's their whole family and how they've got into that position in the first place and so our heart really was um, not to build a family but to be a family for others who in that moment needed support and so our heart going into foster care was how can we actually wrap around a family and serve them in a way that sees them restored? Okay. I mean, that's interesting because you saw it not as looking after children per se, but actually helping that whole family replant, regrow, redevelop, learn skills, all those things. So at some point in time, those kids could move back to a a rounded family, if we could put it that way. Does that describe it? Yeah. 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 And I I guess you... um, like anything, you have limited control. So yeah. you're you're doing what you can in a situation right. that you are put in. That's your hope. But your yes. hope is yes. if this is something that, you know, we can be a part of, we will do our best to, yeah, enable that to happen. That's right. And, and the stories from foster care are absolutely tragic. Foster care is a, a really hard space. And that thing about fostering a family, that was very much put on Terry's heart. I remember her yeah. bringing it up. And I remember her praying about it, mm. and it was a really God-sized prayer because just to get the child or a child and look after them and do a good job um, is big enough. And mm. to pray foster a family was a, was a God-sized prayer. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge thing because it adds to the responsibility. I mean, it, you could take you know a couple of children that may be dysfunctional, they maybe have issues, but to put your arm around the whole family and guide them and help them, and that's I mean, that's really huge. So in terms of the paperwork to do, the, I mean, I've, I've heard it said, mm-hmm. and I've never gone through it, so I don't know, but that the paperwork and the, the uh, what's the right Assessment term is? process to the be process is really mm-hmm. is really hard. Is that true? We, um, we actually found it uh, quite easy overall, I, I think. It is, um, it is lengthy. 
and uh, it has to be lengthy. They, they have to you know, filter the, the people who want to be foster carers. But, but I think if, if you struggle with paperwork, it's hard. Yeah. If you're not a paperwork yeah. person, yeah. we're okay. We're okay on the paperwork side of things. Um, it's about six – for us it was about six weeks of um, training of an hour a week or something like that. All right. It's sort of trauma-competent uh, training um, or therapeutic care training – and um, and then it's it's paperwork. On your paperwork, you're showing who who are your support people. You know, right. Oh, right. Phil and Terry just out there. They they have no friends, no family. If something goes wrong, they've got no one to call. Maybe they're not going to be yeah. the best foster. Yeah, you, know, you need to show some support structures. Right. Um, you don't need money per se. You just need a safe house. Yeah. Um, and you've got to be you know a fairly transparent. Yeah. Person. So is. Christianity a hindrance or is it a help? Uh, for some people in Australia, it has been a, a hindrance. But I think from what I can see, that is a small number of, of cases. Our personal experience uh, is that, well, look, we're open with our faith about everyone, open during the whole assessment process uh, with the particular agency we went through uh, and they've been great. Yeah. Um, but there have been cases that have made the media, for example, in Australia, you know, I don't know why things went wrong there. My my suspicion is it might be difficult people in certain areas okay. who have a certain bent against faith, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we are part of a wider organisation uh, called ARC Australia, which is, um, you know, encouraging Christians to step into foster care, you know, trying to recruit foster carers from churches and things like that. Yeah. And, um you know, the number of uh, foster carers who are out there being accredited, um, you know, still happening, yes. um, and not hearing too many stories of mm -hmm. discrimination and prejudice. So if we have people listening to this show who, you know, have maybe raised their own kids and, you know, uh, and are missing having kids around or whatever the, whatever the driver is, what, what would you say to them in terms of um, encouraging them to go down that path? Um, they, it would be great if they spoke to us, for example, if they contacted some people could be us. It could be friends they know who are fostering. It could be contacting Ark Australia, for example, yeah. and talking to people who foster. Terry and I, um, before we stepped in, we said we're going to talk to as many foster carers as we can. That's wise. Yeah. And um, and and sometimes and just don't make decisions based on your conversations. Just talk mm -hmm. uh, because we spoke to foster carers, and honestly. Um, what you're going to hear sometimes is horror story after horror story. Yeah. It's a hard place to step into and you're going to hear um, stories of hardship and, and silly decisions being made, um, but be peaceful, filter the information mm. and start to think how you would prepare yourself to step in, but certainly speak to other foster mm. carers yeah. and, and, and people of the same faith and that kind of thing. So, Terry, let me ask you, as a, as a mother with your own children, mm -hmm. um, how did that plan come together for you did it was it easy was it difficult what were the, the pitfalls what would you advise people around that space yeah so certainly we looked at it as a whole family affair everyone yeah. gets affected so everyone gets a voice yes so we spoke about it at length with our children we went through what might be hard what might be easy so as best we could we yeah. um, created a space that was safe to have, you can talk about your fears, you can talk about what you like, we talked about what would be the challenges. And so then when we stepped into that world, um, our kids largely were very excited, oh, really? very excited to have other children in the home. 
Um, and then obviously the dynamics of the day-to-day then start to unfold. Sure. And I would say mostly in um, out-of-home care space, I recommend adding to your family children who are two years younger than your youngest. So that's just ah. kind of like a safety guide because oh, right. obviously interrupting birth order yeah. can be complicated. No, that's right. No, and, and it's less competition. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, so that. you want as much stability as you can. And yeah. so we, we were at that, but our youngest is um, probably quite shy and a bit more reserved. And the little girl that came into our house was a bit more directive and a bit more confident. And yeah. so that was probably the relationship where we had to watch the most yes. and guide. Yes. And you certainly, I think, stepping into a space like that, like it's, there is a price to pay. There is a sacrifice. Yes. Yes. There is lim- less mum and dad time. There are more, yeah. um, you know, distractions and that sort of thing. But... If your family structures are already there, we found what came into our family was able to come along with our family momentum and the rhythms that we already had in right. quite a healthy way. Yeah. So that's not to say that there aren't challenges, but if you are clear on your home and the environment that you're setting in there, I think you can bring in disruption and yeah. then allow it to outwork in a healthy way in your family. So the children that came into your family... Um, they obviously fitted in with your church pattern, with your Christian life pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that would have been interesting if they didn't have that sort of background. So can you talk to that? Yeah. So, I mean, they were two and eight months old. So oh, they were wow. very, very oh, little. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 And yes. that was a um, a question that the, the parents were asked, would you be open? And mum had an Anglican background and dad uh, had a Catholic background and they were both open to that and fine. Oh, good. Um, and we just watched the two of them love that environment. At that stage, we were it was COVID. Yeah. So actually a lot of Sunday mornings were in our own home yeah. um, we were with something on the screen. Anyway, so we, we were church planning. We were like, this is fine. And just watching them engage in that space was beautiful to see. Yeah. And and they loved that environment as wow. well. And so, yeah, I think for us that was a really positive journey. Oh, yeah. So you've gone through this process twice so yes, far? Yes, two, two sets of um, siblings. siblings. Ah, right. And both were but, sort of the same? Were they? Yeah, so I mean, obviously each story is a little bit different, but I think, again, we went in with the same. So once uh, those children, the first two, were restored back to mum and dad, because of the relationship that we had built with them through intentionality, they were open to us ongoingly being involved with their family. Oh, really? Oh, that's great. And that was a real privilege for us. And that actually has been very um, healing for our kids because, as you would know, saying goodbye is very hard when you've bonded and you love people. And so even a couple weekends ago, we had um, the first two little ones back in our home for a Saturday. Mum and Dad had some stuff, some work to do. And I just watched my eldest daughter just love, you know, oh. being able to play and reconnect. And that's just been a really beautiful part wow, of the story amazing. for us. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and it's, not, it's not that common. It is a hard space. Yes. So, yeah. Both sets of parents have honoured honored us and respected yeah, us. Yeah, amazingly. Yeah, it's been a great experience. That's amazing. We're going to take another break and then we're going to come back and talk about Divergent Church and what that looks like and and you can tell us when you meet and all that sort of stuff. So we'll be back shortly. You're listening to Delving with Des. You're with Delving with Des and we have Phil and Terry Thompson who are from Divergent Church. And uh, the two of them are having a fight over who should speak next. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, let it, Terry, let you tell me about Divergent Church. Sure. So, I mean, when we went to Canberra, we had obviously come from Port Macquarie, and our first point of call um, for church was some connection 
that we had from Port Macquarie. So we were being married by Kerry Medway and his cousin Brian was leading a church in Canberra. So we started there and we thought, oh, this isn't quite where we're at. And the next place that we went to was what was then called Life City Church, now Divergent Church. And when we walked in, I said to Phil, this feels like home. Mm. And it has been home for us Mm. and it has been family. And so really in Port Macquarie, I guess our heart is to be family. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the church is people. We are Absolutely. the church. Yeah. And sometimes that's easy to forget. We think about it as a building or a place yeah. or a, whereas it's actually the people of God. Yeah. And so, yeah, I guess that kind of informs what we look like. Really, it's, you know, grassroots. Our heart was to come in and to pioneer in a place where there would be new believers. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yeah, we've seen a couple people baptised. Yeah. We're a pretty motley crew. Um, <laughs> I think we've seen seven baptisms. We what, have. One wedding. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah cool. And, um, and, yeah, we're just having fun. I said to Phil, I'm yeah. having fun yeah. um, in this place that God has called us to. And I think, yeah. So how would you define fun in that context? I think when you're part of doing co-labouring with God, that's fun. When you yeah. are being used um, and your gifts are being used in a way to bring life yeah. and to see people open up on that journey toward faith and start to think about, you know, beyond the physical realm, start to think about eternity. And mm. it's just an amazing thing to be part of. And I think when we see somebody make that decision to be baptised, yeah. that is fun. That's yeah. someone getting a mm. whole nother lease on life. Yeah. That wasn't there before. And I think if that was just a story that I could be involved in over and over again, yeah. that would be satisfying for me. Wow. That's, a, that's, that's amazing. So tell us more about what Divergent Church believe, where they would sit, I guess, doctrinally, yeah. or mm, yeah. Yeah, obviously a Protestant church, obviously a Pentecostal church. Yeah. Um, how else would you describe it? Yeah, I mean, uh, formerly we're a part of the Australian Christian Churches or ACC denomination. Yes. So we adhere to their statement of faith and we have our own statement of faith that sits within that. Um, but, yeah, we're Pentecostal, you know. We yeah. believe in tongues. We uh we believe in the Bible. You know, we yeah, love the yeah. truth of the Bible. That's sort of good if you're uh, and, we, <laughs> <laughs> and we love uh, the leading of the Holy Spirit. Sure. Um, and I think in terms of shape, uh, I think we get a lot of team leadership in Divergent Church. Uh, we talk a lot about, uh, for example, fivefold leadership mm-hmm. from Ephesians. So quite often we're... Uh, building more leadership teams. Uh, often we do have to have someone who's making the calls, but you know we love that the person who is prophetic stands next to the person who is full on into the word, even though yeah. at times they might clash. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even though at times the person who loves the word says, "Look, let's let's go back and filter what you're saying, my friend." Uh, and the <laughs> person is good, who is prophetic, <laughs> the person who is prophetic, is saying, "No, I'm just getting the direct download from God." You know, it's not about building one strong arm; yeah. it's about a body. Yeah, and uh, those two sorts of people need to stick together and refine yes. one another. You know, we love it that there are pioneering people next to pastoral nurturers. Yes. yes you too. know, and the pioneering people are forging ahead and the nurturers are going, not so fast. We need to look after this person and that person. And the pioneer is going, leave them where they are. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, through that, um, we can find a really good balance of loving one another, sure. loving people, obeying God together as a community. 
So, so there's a lot of people, I suspect, who would claim to have a faith in Port Macquarie and who look at a list of 27 churches mm. in this town and they'd say, wow, you know, where do, where do I go? And so my question to you guys is, Divergent Church is a good church, it's a new church, but why would I go to Divergent Church? Yeah, well, if you're already planted in a community, you know, stay where you are, even if they're annoying you. And look, uh, th- th- there are some circumstances, uh, you know, some, some very challenging circumstances or even some theological circumstances where, you know, may- maybe you would fit in better elsewhere. But look, honestly, um, in terms of using pub language, in terms of describing Divergent Church, I think if you want to be challenged if you want to take risk, if you want to take ground, and if you're okay looking pretty awkward while you do it, if you've got no issues looking awkward and you want to do all that stuff, high challenge, you know, come and roll with Divergent. Uh, but <laughs> if you if you want to look awesome, it, it, you know, we're, we're not the people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure there's any church that make people look awesome. Yeah. Well, that's, the, just, that's the key. Just, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I've been a few, around a few of them. And yeah, no, no, look, I think that the heart of Christian churches is by and large the same. They yeah. all want to see people. Absolutely. See, want to see people saved. We want to see people grow, be discipled, grow strong in their faith and their relationship with God, uh, both Jesus and the Holy Spirit, all those things. Yeah. And so that's a sort of a given. That's right. And so, of but course. what you said about, uh, Phil, what you said about you know, be, wanting to be challenged and prepared yeah. to sow in. And those are things that maybe set divergent apart. You know, you in some context, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Honestly, in, in some context, you know, we're not um, seeker friendly, you know, and that's a phrase that gets used in, what does in that mean? church circles. Look, it's simply the way I see that, and others might have a better definition, but I suppose we're not into comfort. Um, okay. We probably have a, you know, a belief that too much comfort kills. <laughs> too much, honestly, too much comfort yeah. kills faith. With too much comfort, we don't grow, we regress. Um, and, and so I think, you know, compared to some church cultures, you know, some are more comfortable than others. Yes, yes. You know, and, and, and you, you might find your place in, in a place of more comfort, although I don't think we should ever be so comfortable that where our faith is shriveling and dying. Or you stop serving, for example. Mm. Yeah, that's I right. mean, there's, there's lots of people. I remember going to a, a business Bible study um, connect group at Hillsong, at their Hills campus, and uh, it was great. There lots of business people there. It was really cool. And there's a guy I met there, and I'll say his name because he might end up listening to this show. But he was he was an amazing, lovely, lovely guy. We became friends. But he went to the local Warunga Anglican, High Anglican Church. And so I said to this guy, Hi, you know, you're coming along to this Pentecostal Hillsong Connect group, and yet on a Sunday you're going to High Anglican, how's that work? And what he said was, well, the liturgy of the Anglican Church really lifts me into a place with God that I wouldn't get going to Pentecostal Church. Wow. And I said, wow, far be it for me to complain about that. That's, that's where right. your heart is and that's where you should be. Yeah. And so, you know, we're very quick, I'm, I only speak for me, very quick to criticize people, but, you know, really people have to find where their heart is, where, they, right. where they serve. And it's all about serving, really. 
Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, helping the church grow, sowing into people's lives and so forth. So, in summary, I'm looking for a church, not me perfectly, but yeah. on behalf of the, the millions of people who listen to this show. <laughs> what would you say to them? And you say, you feel you did say, Terry, what about you from your perspective? Yeah, well, if you're new to town and you're looking for something... Like, if you want to be part of a close-knit, I would say intimate community, because you definitely can't hide when there's 20 of you in a room, right? right? Um, Then, yeah, we're a great option to start off with. And you really, our lives are open. So we want to be able to share, just like Phil was talking about that person who sat him down every Wednesday on dinner and imparted wisdom and the word. That's part of what we want to be a part of. That's great. That's really, really cool. So, last question uh, before we close. Where do you meet and when? Yeah, look, we meet in a lot of places throughout the week. Uh, We've got guys who jump onto phone calls, uh, 20, 30 minutes, read the Bible, pray together. Good. Um, We've got, uh, on a Sunday, we meet at the uni, 10 a.m., CSU. Um, and we do a little bit of outreach there, and we you know run a breakfast there, and a few things for the students during the week. Um, and we've got small groups through the week, and and yeah. things like that. But, but your yeah, main service at ten o'clock on, on 10 a o'clock Sunday. On a Sunday, yeah, main campus of the uni. So, is there a number of people can call to reach you guys? It's website? Uh, the website, yeah, Divergent Church, and there's probably a slash in there somewhere. Port Macquarie is uh, our website. Yeah, it has all our details and our numbers. Divergent and Church, all one word. A Divergent Church, yeah. .com.au? If they just Google Divergent Church. Oh, okay, that's, that's a good one. And way. our contacts are on there. Which okay, is, cool. Um, yeah, they can call straight through. Well, guys, thanks so much thank for coming you. to Delving with Des. It's been great having you guys on board. And uh, and thank you for your time. And yeah. hopefully uh, you'll get some phone calls. That'd be really thank cool. You. Okay, thank you, guys. Thanks, thanks Des. Des. You have been listening to the podcast of Delving with Des.